0: Following podcast contains spoilers and words like "and gosh," "mate." Did we watch a thing this week? Yeah, we did. Hello, everybody, and welcome to We Watched a Thing. It's B Diesel here, and Topher is not with me this week, the slacker, because apparently six weeks wasn't long enough paternity leave for some people, I guess. Uh, his brain is still mush with baby, and he can't watch a movie, I, I guess. <laughs> so I'm joined this week by my wife, Nooski. Long term listeners might remember her from the Harry Potter series, and I think she might have popped up in our Alien franchise as well, maybe making fun of me. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Noosk?
1: I'm good, thank you. <laughs> That's
0: good. How are you feeling? <laughs>
1: Um, strange to be talking to you
0: like this. Yeah, you got your saki there and you're not yep. facing me because apparently you don't want to look me in the eye while we talk on mic.
1: It feels weird to look you in the eye and discuss <laughs> films this way.
0: Okay. All right. That's that's weird. I feel like we usually look each other in the eye when we talk about things.
1: <laughs> well, you won't like what I have to say about this film, so <laughs> Okay.
0: All right, so we're doing a throwback here. Much like Topher and I would usually do, it's a film that one of us loves and the other hasn't seen. So this week I gave my wife the joyous viewing Hmm. of (laughs) 2001 sci-fi Steven Spielberg classic AI artificial intelligence, which is... One of my earliest memories of bawling my eyes out in the cinema, I saw this with a couple of high school mates, and we were all there on a bit of a boys viewing, and I'm sitting there bawling my (laughs) eyes out.
1: An experience that many would learn to experience (laughs) alongside you awkwardly for years to come.
0: All right, so let's get into it. AI Artificial Intelligence is a 2001 American science fiction drama film directed by Steven Spielberg. The screenplay by Spielberg and screen story by Ian Watson were loosely based on the 1969 short story Super Toys Last All Summer Long by Brian Aldiss. The film is produced by Kathleen Kennedy, who, of course, people know now as the Star Wars lady, uh, and it stars Hayley Joel Osment, Jude Law, Francis O'Connor, Brendan Gleason, and William Hurt. And what is it about Noosk? Oh. <laughs> well, oh, my that's, gosh. That's what I do. I make tove do it. I'm going to make you do it.
1: Oh. Well, I saw on the interwebs that this film is about a robot child longing to regain the love of his human mother.
0: Yeah. That's, that sums it up.
1: He, well, sums up two and a half hours. Um, I feel perhaps that is a little simplistic. <laughs> Maybe it should read that a confused and grieving mother receives a replacement robot child from her mentally abusive husband, (laughs) and things go awry.
0: Okay, so we do different things from the story. That's fine. That's 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 how these things go.
1: Mm. So
0: unlike so usually, Topher and I wouldn't watch the movies together. We have on occasion, and that's always been a bit of fun. This one, I mean, I didn't I didn't make you go to a different room, and, and we watched it on sync or anything. We watched Thank this God. together. So I know you didn't love this movie, and it it cuts a little bit. Oh. um, but how how did you feel about this movie? So you had never seen it before. Did you know anything about it going into it?
1: I knew nothing about it. I knew it was one of your much-loved films from your younger years. Um, I remember when we first started dating that you used to print out movie posters, and it was was one of the ones on your wall. (laughs) And I was like, oh, what's that film? And... You said, oh, it's the saddest film ever. <laughs> and so going into it this week, you told me many times, be prepared to cry.
0: Yeah. You did because you're heartless. <laughs>
1: should I just drop the divorce papers now? Like, I didn't cry. Not only didn't didn't I cry, but I hated it.
0: <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. so did, was- did you hate all two and a half hours of this film? Did you hate it from the second it started to the second it ended?
1: No, no, not at all. I, I remember you saying several times, oh, should we just turn this off? You're clearly not enjoying it because you looked across to my face, which was perplexed. And I said, no, I'm interested to see where it keeps going. So it's an interesting film in that it it's unexpected and it takes many twists and turns. But um, overall, I, I yeah, I wouldn't watch it again. Okay. Definitely
0: not. So, let's start with the history of the film. I I think I mentioned this to you, that the film was originally meant to be made by Kubrick. So, he bought Mm. the rights to to the story a long time ago and commissioned a script to be written. And I believe it wasn't until- like 97 or something just a couple of years before he died that he passed it on to Spielberg because as much as he wanted to make the film he didn't think CG would ever be good enough do you know what element he didn't think would it be good enough for the robot i guess david yeah, yeah. He, he wanted which david which is played to by humans a cg so. yeah exactly yeah which is interesting um I guess he didn't think that a child would be a good enough actor to pull it off and he didn't think CG was, was good enough to pull it off either. Because If of course Topher
1: was here, he'd have some comments <laughs> on
0: child sure. actors, I'm sure. Because, of course, it's supposed to look like a human. That's the point of the artificial intelligence. Um, so, let's start with Haley Joel Osment then.
1: Oh, amazing.
0: Okay. So, you agree then that at least his performance is something to take away from the film? I don't
1: know who he lost to that year and I'd... I'd- I think you said he wasn't even nominated, and that
0: that's a crime. Yeah, so he was nominated for The Sixth Sense, which was two years before this, but not nominated for this film, which, like, I, I love The Sixth Sense, but his performance in this is next level. Like, as far as child actors go, I don't think I've ever seen anything better.
1: Oh, he was incredible, and I think you said that it was his choice, not... Uh, you know, directed by Spielberg, um, that he never blink Yeah. Uh, while he was p- uh, delivering his lines. And, man, that's, it's creepy.
0: <laughs> did, so, did you actually notice that? Because from memory, the first time I watched it, I didn't notice it until I heard that story years later about, you know, him just deciding to do that.
1: I think you actually told me before the film started. So, I was watching for it. Yeah. And there is one point he does
0: uh, I suppose close his eyes or blink a bit. Is it when blink they're at the bit. dinner table and they're having a bit of an argument?
1: Yeah, possibly. And and maybe as well when his mum abandons him. Yeah, right. And I was like, oh, he slipped. <laughs> you suck! <laughs> <laughs> no, he was amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, I, I think all the performances are really good. I'm not a Jude Law fan, but I actually find him very um, engaging in this film, which is weird, because it's not like I mean, his character's barely a, a character, really. He's oh, a robot. Why is he there? And, uh, well, okay. Okay. So, let's get into this. <laughs>
1: no, hang on. I, remembered- I just have to say,
0: <laughs> when Jude Law popped up
1: yeah. and it was sudden and strange and out of nowhere, did you instantly think, man, he looks like Topher? <laughs> no. No, because no one would ever think that. Yeah, you're right.
0: Yeah, Topher does think that he looks like Jude Law. He is reaching. He has said that on more than one occasion, and he's he's wrong. At least I'm realistic. I know that my celebrity doppelganger is Kevin Smith, which is not really anything to sing praises about.
1: Oh, you've both lost a lot of weight recently. Well done.
0: Um. So, yeah, okay, I remembered the film being long. I did remember that. I, in oh, fact, I so actually long. I actually thought it was longer. My memory was that it was a knock over three hours. I didn't- Oh, it might be. I didn't remember, like, what the bulk of it was. I remember the start of the film very well, and I remember, obviously, the the gut punch ending of the film very well. I had, that forgotten, ending? <laughs> I had forgotten what? just about everything in between. So I had forgotten that the majority of the film really doesn't have a purpose other than to, you know, kind of. And and that's where this film, because about fifteen minutes in, you said to me, "What genre is this?" And I said, "Well, mm. really, it's it's very strictly sci-fi, and by that I mean that its themes really are in that sci-fi universe. It's you know what is it to be human, and you know it, it really discusses a lot of sci-fi themes, and that's really the only point of of the middle one and a half hours is just to kind of look into some of those." Themes, but plot-wise, they they are pretty irrelevant.
1: Yeah i I feel like the goal of the film um, is said at the start um, in a scene that I found incredibly creepy, in which that male scientist is showing off his latest invention. Um, you know, and he has that female robot. And oh, he, the very opening, yeah, the scene. Very opening yeah, scene. Yeah, the very opening scene. And he tells her to undress. Oh, but that's far enough. Wow, how benevolent. Like, <laughs> fuck off, mate. And then he reaches into her mouth to like pull out a part. And ugh, like, I get it. She's a robot. She's not real. But if you don't find yourself creeped out by this scene, you're clearly not female yourself. Um, but finally, There is a woman scientist in the room, apparently, and she speaks, and she- it's like when you hear the title of a film or a show said by the actors in the show, and she basically says, oh, you know, even if you can get a robot to love, can the human love them back? What responsibility does the human have? Yeah. So, that instantly sets us up like, okay, here we go, we're going to explore that.
0: And I do think that we have seen similar themes explored more recently in films like Her or Ex Mm. Machina- and I do think that we are at a point in time where AI has evolved you so much. you say
1: ex-Machina? Yeah. I say ex-Machina. I,
0: I don't know. Mm. Maybe you're correct. Um, Maybe the I viewers d- will tell us. <laughs> I do feel like, oh, my God. <laughs> I do feel like we're at a point in time now where AI has evolved so much that I do think you, there's definitely fertile ground to, to remake this film and re-explore these things.
1: And make it better, much better. I feel like the first hour of the film explores it decides, no, it can't be done, and then we go on this random adventure journey, I suppose, um, for the rest of the film, that, like, after you summed up what you set out to do, why are we still here?
0: Yeah, see, I actually... I agree with you that I do think it's too long. If I was to do an edit of this film, Mm. I would probably knock off about 15, 20 minutes. But I actually don't mind the adventure-type stuff. See, to me, at its core... This is a sci-fi fairy tale. You know, like, I mean, obviously- They throw
1: heavily at Wizard of Oz and Pinocchio is like like slammed in your face. I mean,
0: think about Pinocchio. Think about the bulk of the story of Hmm. Pinocchio. It is this puppet on a a journey. You know, he ends up like, why is he in the whale's mouth? Because that's just what happens. Yeah. You know, to me, this is almost like if Red Riding Hood spent more time on- her walk to grandma's house, <laughs> you know, mm, like, to yeah. me, that's what this Who film cares? is.
1: Well, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay.
0: No, I, I get that point of view. But to me, I actually, yeah, I do think there is fat to be trimmed there, but mm-hmm. I actually really do enjoy some of what it explores in that in that point. And, you know, I I love- Teddy, and I actually really do like Jude Law in this film as much as you could say his character is a little pointless. Mm. Um, I actually quite like his performance.
1: Oh, yeah, I I thought Jude Law did well. I would strongly argue that perhaps you can tell this film's written by a man because no woman (laughs) would design a sex bot looking like or acting like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the way he like dances around yeah. the street, and he's all shiny and yeah. very manic.
0: Yeah, <laughs> manic the-
1: looking like. Ugh. I'm gonna
0: start doing that. I no. want. I want oh my, my God, hair to look God, like please. a Lego man. <laughs> Yuck. Yeah. <laughs> And I lo- when he when he does his little his little heel toe heel toe Joe what do you know <laughs>
1: and then <laughs> he great. and then he does that head twitch to like put a romantic song on and yeah I, I wish was like, I
0: could do that <sighs> that's that's where I'm going to go next I mean you know that I've installed a lot of you know home automation around the house that's going to be my next thing I'm going to put like you know an RF chip in my head. So that when I press it against my neck, <laughs> Alexa starts singing some smooth jazz. Well, I
1: know you and Alexa have often longed to be one and the same person. So yes. go <laughs> ahead. I'll be going, but you two live a very happy life together. Do you remember when
0: I had it set up so that when I got home from work and opened the front door, the Seinfeld theme bled in the lounge room? Yes.
1: Yeah. Well, then you would say, Alexa, make it sexy time and the lights in the house would turn red. And yeah,
0: Barry what? Manilow.
1: oh <sighs> It was embarrassing. <laughs> it was not a party trick you you're, should you're show off. You're just
0: jealous that I never did it for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, you did it for Topher. <laughs> <laughs> we've digressed significantly.
0: Yeah, so on the on the script, I do know that, as I said, Kubrick did have this script commissioned a long time ago and um, it's interesting that Steven Spielberg is credited as the sole writer for this, so obviously he rewrote a fair amount, but my mm, understanding is poorly. that it was very heavily based on the script that Kubrick had commissioned, which, like, I mean, maybe, okay, we're already looking at a, 20-year-old film, who mm. knows how long the script was written before that. I'm not saying well, that's an feels- excuse for any problematic issues it may have. but
1: Yeah, well, sure. Like, it does feel like it was written in the 50s. It really does. Um, you know, like this this grieving mother and her husband, I assume go daily, weekly, I don't know, to visit their son who's been put in a coma, like he's all iced up and whatever. So, I assume it's like a- Future coma. <laughs> yeah, and- well, he,
0: uh, if you actually pay attention to the film, Musk, oh. um, they're actually at a cryogenic freezing station. Yeah, that's so what I. Assumed. It's unclear whether he's in a coma or perhaps he had a disease that couldn't be cured, so they froze him until they could cure it. It's it's unclear as to what actually exactly. happened. Exactly, it's all yeah. very
1: unclear oh. and conveniently so. Um, so they go, however, regularly to visit their son. She plays music and reads fairy tales to him. Her husband stands around looking impatient and the doctor says, you know, basically all hope is lost. And the real problem here, sir, is your wife. And I'm like, what? (laughs) If one of our kids was in a coma or cryogenically frozen, I would expect you to be sobbing along with me. But the problem here is the missus. She really needs to move on. And then he has the audacity to suggests that he will bring home a robot replacement child.
0: Oh, he doesn't suggest it. He does it. He do- Well, he does it
1: <laughs> and then emotionally blackmails her by saying, oh, honey, look- I, I get, I get you have issues with it. Um, he acknowledged from the start, he he kept saying, please don't be mad with me. So he knew how she was going to feel about this. And quite frankly, he should feel the same.
0: Well, as a man, I, I understand that. I often worry about how mad you'll be. <laughs> what, what is what is the worst thing that I've brought home without discussing it? Was it today when that beer got delivered?
1: Uh, yeah. And I was <laughs> like, uh, how much does that cost? That's Topher's direct influence on our life. <laughs> Um anyway. <laughs> so he brings home this robot child. She loses her shit, rightly so. And then he has the audacity to say to her, "Um my position in the company relies heavily on this." I like this is meant to be set in the future. Women today and I hope, women in the future, don't give a shit, mate, about your position in the company. Sort it out yourself. We've just lost our child, and you're already setting up a replacement, and then you're emotionally blackmailing me. I Honestly, I I was so angry at that point. I was like, I can't believe you liked this film. <laughs> it felt unbelievable. You're meant to feel sorry for these people, but the only um information you're given about them is child in coma, sad. Yeah. It it felt like the start of a Law and order episode before I, someone's murdered.
0: I get that. Watching as an adult with children, it did definitely hit me differently mm. than watching you, as you a know kid. previously. Yeah. Yeah. That's and fair. I do think that part of what makes this movie such an interesting watch and I stand by that it, it's an it's an interesting film to watch is the blend of like you can really see Kubrick's influence in this film I think like it's clear that this was a story that he envisioned telling mm. um and he has entirely different sensibilities to Spielberg so yes. I think you can really feel the strange blend here because Like, this is very, very grim for a Spielberg movie. Oh, so grim. And then there are these weird kind of family E.T. type moments. um, And the score is fantastic. Nominated for Best Score that year. I liked
1: the score. Yeah. Though I did say to you several times, well, first I said, oh, this score, I feel like I'm watching a Spielberg film. That was right at the start. And then after it had kicked off a bit, I kept saying to you, this feels like a thriller. Like, it felt like, you know, things were going to go horribly wrong, but not in the way they did, more in, like, you know, where s- suddenly, you know, David murders people or something. Yeah. It, it had a real um, disconcerting edge to it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's that's where I, c- I can feel that this film does- have a strange flavour to it. I think that blend of Kubrick and Spielberg is, it does make for a really interesting watch, because it is much more in-depth sci-fi than anything Spielberg really has done before. Like, when he's treaded around sci-fi before, its it really has been in a very adventure action kind of way you know Mm -hmm. like Jurassic Park the novel is very heavily sci-fi based Mm. there are full chapters that go into detail about the genetic process whereas he stripped all that away in the movie and just kept the adventure which is very Spielberg whereas in this it's almost like he yeah it's it's a strange flavor
1: yeah and I don't I don't know if it necessarily gels in a way that they intended it to come off I don't know who am I to? I I am not a film person. I'm just a mere viewer who didn't enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> it was shit. <laughs> it was bad.
0: <laughs> in this case, it's like to me, it's it's bleak. But I think overall, it's also um kind of joyous and heartwarming in its own what? strange. Yeah, to me, it it really is like I, like there's a reason that that final scene hits me so hard and makes me cry so much like oh. the idea that this <laughs> little boy is so struck by love and and even you know as the scientist explains when when they meet up later on in the film um even he didn't know that by giving this robot love he would give him desire you know like yeah, he didn't understand yeah. that that would be a side effect mm. the fact that this little boy has so much love for his mother that it it fuels this journey out of him, that he will stop at no lengths, that he sits there under the ocean until his power runs out for 2,000 years, begging to be a real boy. Mm. Something about that just hits me so hard.
1: Yeah, okay. You mentioned that you love Teddy and you find him a lovable character. I do. I- maybe it's because of that film Ted (laughs) with the offensive Seth MacFarlane teddy bear. (laughs) Um, that took drugs and, you know, swore a lot and stuff. But I found Teddy a bit creepy at first and I found him a strange add-on. I get that we're supposed to, f- you know, he, he's Dave's, David's um, like guiding force through the film and I, I just find it a bit strange that he can comprehend complex human interactions but still do nothing about it. Like he was able to make a decision to keep the mum's hair which is like a save the day moment, but he was never able to step in and, you know, um, explain David's actions, like when he was accidentally drowning his brother or I think eating too much or like or eating at all, I should say.
0: Yeah, no, and but he did. I don't remember if he was actually there at the dinner table, but there have been a couple. He was. Of, well, there were. A-
1: he said, "I I will." die or I will fail. You will break. You something. will break. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he
0: did warn him. And there were a couple of times throughout the film where he warns him, where he explicitly says, you will break or I will break. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, you kind of got to think of Teddy as as a child. Like, unlike David, he doesn't have the same level as AI. And he certainly doesn't have the level of AI to love. Now, being no. a toy, you could assume that he's programmed to care about the child mm-hmm. that he kind of belongs to. But I think that's the extent of it. I think in the same way that Jude Law kind of understands things, but, you know, he's trained – well, not trained. He's programmed to be a gigolo, and mm-hmm. that's what he does, and that's what he knows. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't understand that taking this kid to some of the places he does are, you know – Hashtag totes in a propes or <laughs> like, so much like Jude Law, I think Teddy has a certain understanding of things. Um, you know, I don't necessarily Teddy. know that he held on to the hair because he thought anything of it. it. was Then
1: why? Why did he do it? He's able to comprehend in that moment, oh, I should either hold on to this well, to hide do- the evidence or I should- Hold on to this because it's Well, it fell, it fell
0: directly on him in, in the scene. He probably, like, d- I don't know whether Teddy has the amount of intelligence to, for example, put something in the bin. <laughs> like, I, d- I don't know what else he would do with it.
1: Yeah. I I don't know. I, I found his level of uh, AI convenient at times and then, like, convenient in the other way at times that then David was left to struggle. And- um I was confused also, this is like a really minor point, but why he was there at the forest where all the other abandoned robots were, that gave me the absolute shits too. This mother drives nearby the area where David would be destroyed if she was to return him and she says, don't go that way. I'm like, of all the places you could drive, why did you go near there if you don't want him destroyed? Also, abandoning a child that has been imprinted with you (laughs) – is the emotional trauma of that is the same as just destroying him like
0: yeah what <laughs> i guess that's one interesting part about the film for me which which maybe could have been done better is the world building isn't necessarily that great and mm. the universe of this film does feel very very Tiny, yes, it um, does, yeah. You know, like we have no concept of how far out of town she drove him, but he clearly well, seems she's to in be the close car for to this.
1: a while because he's asking questions and she's ignoring him. Yeah, he clearly. And, uh, once again, that the emotional burden of one having to take this child in, to make the decision to imprint on him, which she does, that the father doesn't. He doesn't take any ownership to also take on this replacement child, but then he just constantly looks at her when David is behaving a certain way that yeah. they don't like. He's like, Why aren't you mothering better? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so, how you look at me all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean we don't know we don't know how f- He's obviously fairly close to the city where Jude Law is. We don't know if that's the same city where he lives with his parents or not. Mm. And then, you know, they get to all the other places very quickly. And maybe that's to do with, you know, global warming has ravaged, you know, the world. Mm-hmm. Clearly, parts of, you know, like New York is completely submerged in water and basically mm. gone. Um, you know, maybe very
1: pretty that whole yeah um,
0: landscape. I suppose like maybe the majority of the country is underwater, and the country really is only like four or five states big. Now we don't have any concept of that. Maybe so I do think that some some deeper like for how long this film is, I do think there could be some more world building.
1: Yeah, and I like a quiet film that doesn't necessarily constantly move and and have lots of dialogue, but you need. You need uh, a certain amount of finesse in the dialogue then that's not exposition, but also, like, a final line to him is, I'm sorry I didn't tell you about the world. And I was like, okay, so now we're going to find out about the world. Great. It was just very clunky. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry. No, that's,
0: that's, that's
1: fine. I'll, I'll get the divorce papers. Ready. Did you at least
0: – let's talk about the cinematography and the lighting then. You brought up the the New York Scenes, mm. which I think are very, very pretty, and I especially I do think that after the, set the design- Vegas
1: Flesh Fair esque type. Well, I mean, the Flesh Fair was, you know, felt very much like a revolting carnival. Yeah. Um, You know, as I said before, it felt like it was full of rednecks or bogan's, as we'd say in Australia, and and then the Vegas place. Yeah. Um. I mean, you and I both hated Vegas, so <laughs> I suppose I wasn't went. I wasn't meant to like it. Um, But, yeah, once we finally got to Manhattan, I was like, oh, it just felt like a a sigh of relief, like Mm. open space. And that was good. I suppose that was meant to be how it felt, although although sad because, oh, it's all underwater.
0: Yeah, but I think that that's kind of an interesting um, element in itself is that, like, you know, they literally call it the end of the world. It's been completely destroyed. It's literally the end of the world. And yet it's so- Peaceful, You know, yeah. everywhere else feels so...
1: And that felt very sci-fi to me.
0: Yeah. So, okay, all in all, you clearly hate the film. No, no, how, no, no, How are you scoring it out of 10?
1: Oh, we're already getting to scoring. Oh, okay. Well, do you have more to well, say? Well, I had notes, but we oh. all know you don't make no, notes. If you've got One got more- of us cares. If you've
0: got more notes,
1: go on. Topher would be proud of me because yeah. one of us cared. Go on. Um... I also found it unbelievable. Well, no, if it's
0: just going to be notes about how bad the movie is, I don't want to hear it.
1: So I just don't understand. No, no, no. Okay. No, what are you
0: scoring it out of ten? Oh, I don't want to say. Just say it. A three. <laughs> okay, well, that's still higher than what Dove gave Tommy Boy, so I guess you are forgiven. Oh. Um, I am an eight on oh. this. Oh, really? Yeah, which oh, is a drop for me from my memory. Like thinking back, I think. Past me probably would have given this a nine. Um, I am an eight. I do think there's some fat to trim, but I think the, the themes it explores are really interesting. And I do think for the most part, it does it in a pretty interesting way. Plus, I'm a sucker for a film that makes me cry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I would have much rather have watched Up or Inside Out with you, which is- I both don't think either films. of
0: those are as good films, though.
1: But when you cry in them, I- I don't feel like it's emotionally manipulating you any more than any other Pixar film that you, is.
0: Yeah, to, Pixar film, to- all they do is manipulate you to cry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> In a smart way.
0: <laughs> See, but the, my problem with Up is that the first 10 minutes are so superior to what follows. Like, yeah. I would happily rewatch the opening of Up on a Loop. I feel like the rest of the no, movie is not- Well, no, because it, it would you just couldn't make breathe, you cry Billy. to death. <laughs> 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 um, all right, cool. What are we getting to next week? No idea. Oh, my God. <laughs> Hopefully, Toph will be back. I guess we'll find out. Uh, but we hope you enjoyed this. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that at wewatchetathing.com or wewatchthething at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all under the handle at we Watch the thing. If you want to help support the show, you can do that at patreon.com forward slash thing. And I, anyway, will catch you next week. We'll see who else is with me. <laughs> Thank you. See ya.